Welcome to Feed the Sheep Podcast. This is your host, Ross Steele. As I always say, God is good all the time, and all the time, the devil is stupid. Here, I like to talk about things culture doesn't want to talk about. I talk about things to advance the gospel, to build the kingdom, and bless the world. Let's get right to it. All right, welcome back to Feed the Sheep. We now have our second ever second appearance guest, uh, Kenzie Wolfile is back in action to talk a little bit about resurrection and suffering. Um, but first things first, I'm going to start us off and kick us off in a word of prayer. Father, thank you uh, for all that you've done, all that you've given us. May those listening, uh, may you just speak directly to their hearts, uh, prepare them, soften their hearts uh, to accept all that's going to be said, Father, and and uh, take it back against Scripture, Father, just to really see you in the midst of it. And I just pray that this is a blessing to those who are listening today. In your name, amen. 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 Kenzie, welcome back. Oh, thanks. Good to be back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, resurrection in suffering. Actually, everybody, Mackenzie said she actually brought this to me and was talking about a a sermon that she heard about seven years ago or so and um i was like yeah we gotta we gotta get that we gotta get that on the podcast so (laughs) we're just gonna dive right in uh what what is it about resurrection and suffering um that was so impactful for you or i guess you can kind of explain resurrection and suffering that probably makes more sense um (laughs) um yeah, so about seven years ago, it's actually going to be seven years ago on um, April 1st, uh, my grandfather passed away. Um, very amazing man. Anyway, before I knew um, he passed away, I had been um, at youth group. And um, my youth pastors that were there, they had a message that they did obviously um (laughs) um, and josh was actually at that uh youth group with me and he had never been to youth group with me before um he was older he technically in high school but they always let him come back because he was a part of the church and um our youth group and everything like that so josh was actually with me for the sermon um and they talked about finding resurrection and the suffering um and to this day, I still cannot remember the actual like verses that they quoted and the stories that they told. Um, but I just remember resurrection and suffering. That's such a powerful phrase. That's such a powerful like four words, um, especially in the front of it, like finding resurrection in the suffering. It's just, it's just so powerful. Um, and then I went home that night and my mom informed me about my grandfather. Um, and my grandpa was one of a really important man in my life. Yeah. Uh, we had an amazing relationship um, and he's just such a godly man and just such an amazing, he has such a big legacy that he left in this, in this world and in this community that um, where we grew up. Um, but I say all that to say that that message hit me then. And I actually ended up calling them after I found out. And I just said, you know, I just want you guys to know how much that means to me that, you know, you spoke on that, even though you didn't know what it would do, um, because I just found this out and, um, it's going to take a lot <laughs> of searching, um, because I'm suffering right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm very glad I heard this sermon. 
Um, so that was seven years ago. And then, um, you know, about five months ago, I, um, discovered a, first of all, I'm just going to say this is the first time talking about this publicly. So, um, when I talk about this story, it's not me in any way getting, trying for, for pity. Um, it's just me explaining how, um, important it is to, you know, seek God, um, in suffering. So, um, about five months ago, I discovered a spot in my leg was just learning. It was different. It wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything what massive. It was just, it was just, uh, I forget about it. Uh, a couple weeks later, Josh noticed it. Uh, uh, he was like, you know, maybe we get that checked out. I was like, all right, you know, nothing. Um, I'm sure it's fine, but you know, let's get it checked out just in case. So that was October. Um, they couldn't get me into until December 2nd. You know, I called the dermatologist. They said, all right, we'll get you in December 2nd. We'll check it out. We'll, we'll go from there. So I go in on December 2nd and they send it in for testing. Um, and, you know, shortly like that, that month, this month of December is such a crazy month. One, my birthday is in that month. I was turning 25. Um, Christmas is that month, New Year's, like, you know, a lot of family gatherings. So we had a wedding that month, you know, there was a lot going on. So I was very distracted, um, that month with, with ongoings of things. Um, but the last thing I thought it would be happening right before my 25th birthday was a, a biopsy for skin cancer. Right, um, yeah. so I wasn't hearing from him, wasn't hearing from him about two weeks after the sample was taken. I got an update on like the patient portal, um, saying that they identified it as something, but that was it. I wasn't getting a call, nothing. So I tried to call them, still wasn't getting anything. About a week after I'd been calling them every single day, <laughs> um, I get a call back that says, oh, hi, we're really sorry. Um, we need to send it in for second, for like a second opinion. They were like, we think we know what it is, but we don't know. And in order for the treatment to be accurate, we want to send it in for the second opinion. And I was like, treatment for what? <laughs> There, it was just this very like unknown big gap in communication. And I was just like very um, unsettled, but that all being said, I still kind of pushed it to the back of my mind because in my mind I was like, I'm fine. It's nothing. Nothing's wrong. Blah, blah, blah. Which is not the best way to go about life. Just always thinking nothing's wrong. Um, yeah. And always saying you're fine. Um, because it's just, you know, it's, it's just kind of a very, it's a fantasy world to live in and, you know, it, nobody is always fine all the time. Um, so just after new year's, I get a call from the dermatologist saying, uh, we got your second opinion back. Um, and you know, we found a large amount of precancer in cells in this sample. Um, which got honestly, it caught me so off guard because that was just not, I did not think that was possible. Um, now, precancerous does not mean cancer, <laughs> but it, what it means is it could have turned into cancer. It could be, mm-hmm. it could potentially could become cancer. Um, and I needed to go in for uh, another sample um, for them to take out another sample of my skin to test it to see if the cells were spread and that would cause treatment or if they were isolated to that mole. Um, and that is when the enemy really snuck in on me. Oh man. Oh man. i tell you what that enemy sneaks in, in the weirdest ways. And that, that was the big yeah. one for me. Um, because 
when you're freshly 25 and you get news that like, you know, you're, you're healthy your entire life. And then all of a sudden this kind of throws a wrench in the plan and like what you're, what you're thinking is like, I'm totally fine. And all of a sudden you're not. And, and granted, like my circumstance is so minute compared to so many other people in this world. So I'm not trying to compare myself to any sort of person that is a cancer survivor or who is battling cancer. However, hearing the C word is never fun, whether it's pre or like have it, like having it. Um, so I, was like, all right. So I scheduled the next appointment, um, for January 24th and I had to go three weeks of this very unknown. What in the heck is going on with me? Um, spiral. Um, and I was very confused. I think was one, one word I would use for my feelings of that time. I was, I was just in a very dark place, uh, mentally, um, emotionally, but, um, what it made me realize is it made me internalize out a lot of things. It made me realize, okay, where have I been going these past few months? Where have I been going these past few years to find my peace? Where have I been, where have I been going these past few years and stuff to find happiness to what, what have I been leaning on? Because I had realized this, this journey and this situation made me realize, I think I am not as focused on God as I was, as I should be. Um, and it really made me kind of dive deep and it made me, I was having so many thoughts of anxiety and for like, I, I've never wanted to use this word to describe myself or my thoughts, but it was depressive thoughts sure. of just, just you know, because that's what the enemy does. He sneaks into your mind and he makes it's like, oh, well, you're going to have cancer and you're going to die from it. And mm -hmm. that is just what he does. And even though I knew that that was not true, mm -hmm. it is so hard to believe it when it's right there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it made me finally, it, it, it brought Josh and I closer together as a couple because he really had to hammer down being the head of the household, the man of the household, you know, like that's what your husband is supposed to be to you. Your husband is supposed to be the one that helps you through these things and helps you, you know, you guys pray together, you lean on God and you just, you really just kind of got to get yourself as a unit in check because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I remember, I remember vividly one time, I think this was about a week or surgery. Um, I was working out. I took a really big leap of working out more because in my mind, I was like, if I'm going to die, I'm at least going to be fit when I do it. And that's such a, that's a, such a terrible thing to say and a terrible thing to think. But that I was working out like crazy because I was like, I need something to distract me because that was how I was distracting myself from the thoughts that I was having. And that's how I was making it. So I was like, not like I was getting out the anger and the, and the, just the confusion and all of that, that's how I was getting it out was by, by working out. Um, and I vividly remember one day working out and I was, um, I just had a very short playlist on my phone that I would listen to. Um, and one of the songs on there was louder than words from tick, tick, boom. I don't know if you've heard, I don't know if you've seen the movie. I don't know if you've heard of the movie. Um, it's a relatively new one. It's with Andrew Garfield directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda about the man who wrote rent. So anyway, louder than words in the song and pretty much um, it's just like actions speak louder than words. And um, you know, why do things happen to good people and all stuff? And so this is on and I'm working out and I just start sobbing. I mean, I am sobbing on the floor yeah. and I'm like, Holy cow. Like, it's just, you know, like, 
uh, one of the words is, uh, if we're so free, tell me why so many people bleed. Mm. Um, and that's just like such a powerful phrase. And I know yeah. that's not like in any way, like a, a Christian song, but like, it is sure. just such a powerful phrase oh, to yeah, hear that, is. especially when you're going through something that's so unknown. And that was the biggest thing. My biggest, like there's so much fear in the unknown. Um, you know, it's why people are afraid of the dark. It's why people are afraid of a lot of things in the world right now. And, and that's what I was going through. I vividly remember going through that. And I remember coming out of my workout and Josh could see that I was upset. He could tell. And I mean, he'll, he always can, but he just knew something was different. And so finally he sat down with me and he was like, what, what do you want to talk about? He was like, what do you need to talk about? Like, what, how can I help you? And I just, the, for the first time in the entire journey, I just finally said, um, what if I'm sick? because we had never had that conversation and I didn't want to believe it. Nobody wanted to believe it. He didn't want to believe it, but we had to have it because if I was, there was going to be a lot, there was going to be a long journey of recovery. Right. Um, so he just was there for me and he was, he was just so steadfast and just making sure that he was being strong for me. And I was making sure that like, I was never overbearing in that, like a leaning on him. Right. Because, and he helped kind of remember, make me guide my mind and remember, all right, I need to, I need to be focusing on prayer. I need to be focusing on prayer because throughout this entire journey, every time anxiety filled thoughts would happen, I would pray. I'd pray them away. I'd be like, God, I know these thoughts are not from you. These thoughts are not from you. Um, these are not my thoughts. Um, you know, I just pray that they, you know, I, I rebuke them from my mind. I pray in Jesus name that you just fill my mind with thoughts of peace and with mm. thoughts of healing and with thoughts of hope. Um, because that was the only thing that kept me sane, honestly, to like, it That's is the, the best only place thing to that go. Kept me sane. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it reminds me of when I was listening to your podcast on prayer and the power of prayer. Um, it was so powerful. And that was before I even had my results, my final results. Um, and I remember telling my dad and my mom, like, well, my parents, my dad, my stepmom and my mom, I didn't tell them about anything going on with this until I had the, the results of the precancerous cells. Um, and the day after I told them, I just called my dad again and he was like, well, I didn't sleep last night. And I was like, what's going on, dad? Like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, I was worried about you. I was like, I know. I was like, but, you know, if there's anything I've learned thus far is that anytime I'm having those thoughts of worry and those thoughts of anxiety, I have to pray them away. And he goes, I was literally just about to tell you that's the only way I could sleep last night. <laughs> that's awesome. He's like, I literally, the only way I could go to sleep finally was just by praying because those thoughts aren't from us, right? Those thoughts aren't right. from him. Those thoughts are from God. Those thoughts are from the enemy because he wants to, the enemy is here to kill, kill steal, and destroy. And that's just the end of it. Right. Um, so anyway, to you know, make a long story longer, um, <laughs> about a week after my, my surgery, um, I uh, find I get a call from the dermatologist about my results. Um, it was a call I've been dreading slash hoping for slash I didn't know what my thoughts were on it. Um, and they told me that there are no cells found in the second sample and that all the precancerous cells are gone and I have nothing to worry about, mm. um, which is just like, you know, Amen. I remember reaching out to you specifically. I, I, amen. Indeed. I remember reaching out to you. I remember reaching out to a couple of other friends that were just very big prayer warriors in my life that I knew, you know, I could stand in agreement with. Um, I just said, Hey, 
I don't really want to explain why, but I would just love if you could pray for me and pray for some healing. I have some medical stuff going on. Um, and then I know, I don't know, remember if it was you, but a couple of them, you know, came back with, you know, is there anything specific? Um, and yeah. I just pretty much was like, you know, yep. isolation, isolation of the spreading, no spreading isolation, you know, just that's it. And like, um, and then it worked and it's just like, it's just the power of prayer, right? Just that in general, this journey, but also this journey is when I was talking to you about, I want to say it was probably like a week after my, or two weeks after my surgery. Cause it was, um, after I found out my results, um, as I was talking to you, I remembered resurrection and the suffering and remembered that sermon and remembered how powerful it was after, you know, the death, death of my grandfather, but also how much it was in my life at that moment. And I didn't even realize it because in this suffering I was going through in this journey of the unknown in this journey of if I'm sick, whatever, um, I resurrected my faith. Mm. Um, like and would, that's yeah. something that is just, it's just insurmountable in terms of like comparison to anything. <laughs> right. Um, and it's just like resurrection and the suffering can be applied to so many things, you know, and I was listening to when I was listening to, well, that's good today. Um, they talked about joy and the suffering. And I know that your joy with grief podcast, you know, that whole thing. Um, but when you put the word resurrection in the suffering, yeah, there's just something different about it. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just such a different, there's such a different context applied to it. Oh, and it's just, right. I don't know. It's just so powerful. No, I think, <laughs> no, no, it really is. And it makes you really think about it differently. Um, I know specifically after we had talked about it, I was like, I want to know more about this um, outside of like what you said in your testimony, your story with it and how powerful it is for you. And I was like, I want, I want some of that. <laughs> so I went and, and, and I was looking and I found myself in first Peter, like the whole book of first Peter is there's a lot in it. And actually one of my, my life verse, um, is first Peter five, seven, you know, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Um, and I had that, I had chosen that verse. Uh, it was the only verse I could memorize, uh, when I was younger. And this was before I even came to Michigan and met you. Um, my sister, uh, Lauren, she, I was talking in the car on the way to granddad's or something. And she was studying verses and she wanted me to be quiet. So she handed me a stack. So I tried to learn them. That's the only one that stuck with me. And, I didn't know why, but it was. And then come to find out, like once I got into college and, you know, coming out of college, like I grew super anxious about so much. And I was like, well, that's no coincidence. Um, but I, I, that's kind of off topic, but I was talking about first Peter and how, um, there's actually something that, um, Bob Deffenbaugh says, he says for the Christian joy is not the absence of suffering and adversity, but the nearness of God in our adversity and suffering. Mm. Because like for you, you said it resurrected your faith. Your faith didn't necessarily, it, it didn't go anywhere, but you were nearer to him in that time. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and it gives us like kind of like a, a booster shot, I guess you will for these COVID times. <laughs> Give us like a booster mm -hmm. shot of faith. Uh, you know, feeling so much more near to 
him. And it gives us that extra, extra boost, um, or that kick in the butt that we need sometimes. Right. Um, and I think like the biggest thing is like, obviously we have suffering. Um, but, but Christ also suffered once for all of our sins, for the just and for the unjust. And that's like a big thing, I think, for me, because a lot of times I look at my suffering and a lot of my suffering that I um, deal with was really shame, I think, um, for, you know, my past and who I was. And like I, the enemy used it. You're, you're right. Like the enemy will attack just at the right time. Um, and my suffering for a while was, was that shame and guilt, um, and doubt that, that I felt, um, a lot of the times, even after like, you know, coming in relationship and God completely turning my life around. Um, but in that, even, even after that, when I felt that shame, like I have no other option but to pray, you know, the only way to get out of it or to, 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 you know, win that battle is to pray, to draw nearer to him. And I think that, you know, that's not for like no reason, right? There's going to be suffering for us and it's going to be that it's going to be used to resurrect our faith, as you said, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that I I've learned a lot, and I could talk for literally a very long time about different things uh, in regards to this. But what about um, finding our resurrection for those listening, like that may not know um, how to find it? Like they have that suffering, but they just like. I, I can't see the resurrection. I can't see the goodness in it, right? What are some, is there something that they could do? Is there something that we could do um, to, to try to find that resurrection? I don't think there's necessarily one specific thing uh, that we can do, excuse me, besides knowing that, for lack of better words, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that sometimes in, in term, like in the deepest and darkest of times in our lives, um, in our journeys, um, it is really hard to find that light at the end of the tunnel because, um, you just, you know, the enemy convinces you there's no hope. The enemy, the enemy convinces you there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but I think just in no matter what, just like, fully committing to putting all of your anxieties on God and putting like knowing that, you know, okay, so this diagnosis that I had and the diagnosis that anybody has is not theirs. It is not, this diagnosis was not mine. It's, it's not me. It does not my identity. It is yeah. not, it is not from God. It is from the enemy. And so it's just, you know, constantly reminding yourself of that like what you're going through it does not belong to you do not own it do not do not accept it because it is not yours <laughs> it does not come from god it came right. from the enemy because there is sin in this world yeah that because there is sin in this world we suffer 
Mm. Because there is sin in this world, we suffer, not because of God. And I think that that's a really big yeah. thing. People who are not do don't have a good relationship, you know, with God, they just think, oh well, if God is so good and if God is so real and whatever, whatever, why does He let bad things happen? It's like He doesn't let bad things happen. <laughs> like, don't you understand? Like, yeah. He's not the reason these bad things are happening, and He's the reason that we can get out of, like, we can come, we can be resurrected from those sufferings. Yeah. We can come out of those bad things and be better and greater and share our stories to. And show them how good their life can be if they have a relationship. Yeah. It's just no, that's big. To not own, don't own it. It's not yours. <laughs> that's that's real big, and uh, that kind of brought me to the idea. Like, obviously, um, you know, salvation and uh, baptisms as well. Like, we are told to carry our cross and die to ourselves. Um, and when we die to ourselves and pick up our cross, then uh, we're made new in Christ, right? You know, the old is gone, right. the new has come. And that's like a, a great idea. Like before Christ, we suffered a lot. And even when we know Christ, we will like suffering comes. Um, I'm not going to say everything is perfect and you won't suffer ever again after knowing Christ. But uh, when you, people who, who don't know Christ will like they suffer and they're, like it's such like a more immense full uh, emotion or feeling during that time because they don't have a better way out, I guess. Um, right. And when you, when, when you, when you come to Christ and you come in a relationship with him, you know, he, like he makes you new. So all the old is gone. The new has come and that's the resurrection. That's the life that we find. The freedom we find in Christ and his name alone uh is enough to bring us that resurrection, which I think is right. is awesome and incredible. Well, and it, yeah, it's really interesting that you say that specifically because um, I a couple of weeks back I went back to my home church. I was back home uh, visiting for the weekend, and I was able to go back to my home church. Um, and I went to first service, and then during second service, I actually got to sit down with um, the wife of the youth pastor couple that was the one who gave me the resurrection and the suffering sermon um, all those years ago. And I got to tell her everything. I got to tell her the story and about how it impacted me and how it impacts me now and how like this, this journey I just went on, the reason I was able to kind of work through it was because of this sermon they gave all those years ago. And I was like, I just wanted to let you guys know about this because I feel like a lot of times when we are you know, when we're speaking, you know, when we're, we're doing things that, you know, we're like, I feel like this is my calling with God. I just don't see anything coming from it. Right. Like, I don't know if it's speaking to anybody. I don't know if it's what somebody wants to hear. I was like, I just want you to know, sometimes it takes years for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And, and it really did help me. And, you know, she was telling me she cannot imagine going through life without God. She's like, yeah. can you imagine yeah. And like, so like what you just said, like, can you imagine going through life without God, like going through like the world in general, what we're going through the, in the world right now, I cannot imagine going through life without God. Oh, and gosh. just <laughs> honestly, like, right. Like yeah. I, she said that I was like, she goes, can you imagine? I'm like, no, I don't want to either. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. I had a life like, without it's, him it's before. Crazy. <laughs> it right. And, and it's just, it's so crazy to think how just 
different our lives would be and how I know that the yeah. enemy would have attacked so hard on my thoughts. Like, I don't, I don't want to think about what I personally would be like if I didn't have God the past six months, even, mm. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and again, and just like, and I would not be with my husband yeah. if I did not have God. Right. Honestly, I, you it, know, oh gosh, it's crazy. Most people, most people know this, like, but so we're recording this and we're recording this, um, obviously sooner than other people will listen. But, uh, right. yesterday was one year of my best friend, Joe passing. And yes. I was like, as you were talking, I was like thinking if I didn't know God, like, I don't know where I would be right now because I took it pretty hard. Like, yeah, it was still sad. Obviously. Um, but knowing he's with Christ brought me a lot of peace and I was able to cope with it a lot better and healthier. Um, and like, I still bawled my eyes out at times, but right. like, if I didn't know God in that, like in just in the last year, I mean, in the last year, uh, alone, I lost, lost my job. I lost my best friend. I lost my grandma. I lost a relationship. I lost um, money in the stock market, which is lesser of a big deal. But besides that, there's a lot of loss in the last year. And I would like look Mm -hmm. back and I'm like, if I didn't know God, if I, if I didn't truly know him and have a relationship and walk with him, I don't, I honestly have no idea where I'd be, but I know it would suck and it would be 10 times Mm -hmm. worse in all of that. Yeah, that's crazy. But I, I love yeah. that whole idea of resurrection and suffering and looking at it that way. Um, and I, I definitely think it is different than, you know, joy with grief. Um, mm-hmm. It has its its own thing. And um, you're definitely able to just accept the, the, the suffering that's going to come. But knowing that there's goodness that's coming out of it, because no matter what, God uses all things for his glory and his goodness. Right. Um, his will be done. Yeah. Yeah. His will be done. Well, mm-hmm. awesome. Mackenzie, thank you once again, um, for getting, you know, taking the time out of your day and, and getting on, uh, for another episode, uh, really to share your heart on resurrection and stuff. And I, and I, and I, I value you as a friend and just the opportunity to come on and just talk with you and talk through this. Um, cause I've learned a lot just from when we first talked about it. Um, <laughs> so it's really great. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm, I'm humbled to call you a friend and your true friend. And I, and I appreciate you and your faith, um, and believing that God was going to come in my life eventually. And you just loving me through my times when he wasn't, um, it wasn't easy, but you know, I guess I got through it. I don't think it's easy now even, but, uh, yeah. So thank you for that. I will close this out in a word of prayer. And I hope to see all of you guys back next week for another episode. Father, thank you for uh, just just the friendship that uh, has been fostered with Kenzie and I to be able to talk about these things and, and turn to each other in times of trial. And also, Lord, just being able to turn to you, being able to know you and walk with you uh, and truly um, knowing you gives us so much joy, but also brings us so much uh, resurrection in our suffering and whether we can see it in the moment or not, eventually we will. And we know that it is all for your will and for your glory. May we continue to glorify you 
in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Feed the Sheep this week. May the Spirit be within you, may it be upon you to embolden you in your faith, to go out and advance the gospel, to build the kingdom and bless the world.